Well, there's uh, there's some faces here I haven't seen, and uh, I've been coming to these meetings for a few years now. But uh, I'll let you know. Uh, my name's Jerry, but I made a mistake of wearing my bass fishing club jacket to a, uh, one of my first meetings, and it had Bubba on there. That was my nickname in bass fishing, and uh, so I'm Bubba. But uh, to not to confuse you, we're both alcoholics. You know? <laughs> and uh, guys, uh, the only thing, uh, you know, when I was uh, early on in sobriety, uh, Cliff Roach came and uh, spoke to us in uh, Visalia over over St. Paul's. And uh, my sponsor had me, uh, he got me active in service right away, and he had me be the 10-minute speaker that night. And I got to talk to Cliff Roach quite a bit before the meeting, after the meeting, while he was waiting for a plane to take off out at the airport. And uh, he, uh, he had heard a little of my story that night, and he told me, he says, you know, everyone doesn't have to be uh, you know, at the very, very, very low bottom to be an alcoholic. And he says, I heard your story. It's similar to mine. And he said, don't ever change it. So you guys that know me, you're probably tired of hearing this, but uh, my, I hope my story never changes because uh, I, I have a life today that I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy. And the main reason I do is because... I, I got a DUI, and um, the court system sent me here, and um, today I like to say that uh, God did an intervention on me through the California Highway Patrol, you know, and, uh, and I thoroughly believe that because I was, uh, I was very sick. Uh, later on, I found out I was spiritually bankrupt. And, uh, and my life was going to hell, you know, in a basket. And, uh, but I, uh, I stopped drinking. I had drank from the time I was 14 years old till I was 48, almost 49 years old when I got here. And, uh, I could quit drinking for long periods of time over those years when my wife at the time would get on my case or when I had to clean my act up and take care of my business a little better. I had a small business here in Visalia for 25 years. And uh, this time, I had to quit drinking one more time. And uh, the, the day after I got that DUI, I started getting deathly sick. And, uh, and I was ignorant to what, at that time, to what the disease of alcoholism is. And uh, I ended up in Tulare District Hospital, and it uh, wasn't a very pretty sight. I was, uh, for the first time that I know of, I was having heavy withdrawals from alcohol. I was passing kidney stones, and my blood pressure was out of sight. And my doctor at that time, he's retired now, he knew a lot about alcoholism. Uh, Dr. Gettle from Tulare, and, uh, and the disease was in his family, and uh, he helped me. And uh, uh, I was finally willing for some help. And uh, but that uh, the doctor, uh, you know, before I got to that uh, hospital, though, the night I got that DUI, uh, I, I'd left Tommy's Lounge over in Tulare. 
And uh, I love country western music, you know, as far as I'm concerned, there's only two types of music, and that's country and western. And uh, and so we were, you know, dancing, having a good time. We had, uh, we had closed the beer booths down at, at the fair, myself and a bunch of my buddies, and uh, having a good time. And, and I left there. And uh, got a couple blocks away from uh, the bar, and I didn't live that far from it. And uh, the highway patrol pulled me over, and uh, I had uh, I was driving my little '72 Chevy Stepside. I'd spent a few years, you know, uh, uh, restoring it, and I put a lot of time and money into it, and I didn't want to stop and be told so I drove on to my house a few more blocks and they gave me uh, the sobriety test uh, out on the sidewalk in front of my house you know and uh, all the neighbors you could see the porch lights come on and the doors open and I'm entertaining the neighborhood you know and but uh, there was two of them uh, a young uh, patrolman and uh, they gave me the test and he says oh you did good on these he says are you going out drinking anymore tonight? And I said, why? The bars are closed, you know. And uh, he, but the older one says, no, nah, he's he's been in that bar, uh, bar long enough, and and he's uh, smelled reeks of alcohol. I said, I says, he he wanted to take me in, and uh, you know uh, about. Three and a half, four, four years before I got to Alcoholics Anonymous, situation arose in my life, and uh, uh, family. We had family counseling, and my uh, uh, my wife at that time had uh, started going to Al-Anon, and uh, they turned uh, they turned around the older one, and he says, "What do you think, Mrs. Weatherford? Should we take him or keep him?" And her exact words, and pardon my French, but she says, "Take the son of a bitch and keep him," you know. And uh, boy, if I could have got a hold of her that night, <laughs> <I'd> have, <laughs> so I think I'd have probably choked the hell of her, you know. But <laughs> uh, anyway, that's uh, that's how I got there. And uh, the doctor, uh, he uh, he kept me there, and uh, he he let me know what I was going through, and. Uh, uh, he gave me the easier, softer way, gave me that drip system, you know, and uh, everything. Uh, I was not only friends with him, I went to quite a few dinners, you know, the board of directors had, and my wife and I always, uh, I went to those with her uh, when I was sober, or could remember to go. And uh, he was a good man, and uh, he had told me for many years that uh, I might have a problem with drinking, and I might ought to think about about going to Alcoholics Anonymous, and I told him where he could put AA, you know. And uh, but he got me through that detox period, and uh, the kidney stones—they blasted those, and uh, and I was feeling pretty good after about seven or eight days. And uh, but he told me, he said, Jerry, you're at the point now. If you drink again, that was in September, and uh, he says. Uh, you may not live to see the new year, you know. And I don't think that was a spiritual awakening then, but it was a rude awakening, you know, because, I, like you say, I, I insist on having fun and enjoying life. And, uh, and I've been able to do that. God has been good to me through my life. I, I'm just a little country kid, I guess, born and raised over in Tulare, and, 
middle of my sophomore year in high school, my parents moved to Southern California. And I didn't like where I was at down there. I always wanted to be back in the valley. But, uh, you know, I got, uh, I was good in sports in school, played baseball, football, and, uh, and I had good grades. I colored, uh, carried a college prep. In, uh, in school and uh, you know uh, parents raised me uh, going to church I was baptized when I was uh, about eight years old so I had a good chance you know the fundamentals uh, of growing up and having a good life and uh, I just chose to live the self self will run riot way of life you know I like to drink and party and uh, I, I got to uh, you know I got to drag race cars there's a lady the first lady of drag racing is sitting in the house with us tonight and uh, I got to see her you know down at Pomona years ago and in, in the 60s, you know, 50s and 60s, and uh, and I uh, I got to race sports cars. I uh, I got to race motorcycles. I uh, I got to race uh, boats. Uh, skate boats and enduro boats and uh, uh, I got to bass fish all over the country and fish bass tournaments and uh, and all that time I was drinking and having fun you know and um, it, it, it caught up with me because uh, I got I got to a point where uh, uh, I couldn't when I took one drink I didn't know where I would end up when I was fishing those bass tournaments, I'd pay you anywhere from 500 to to $1,000 entry fee to fish them and much more money than that, you know, to uh, travel there and stuff. And I would go and I would pay a, a real professional, one of the top notches, I'd pay him $250 a day for a couple of days to take me and, and show me what they knew on the lake. And then uh, the night before the tournament, I'd get drunk and I couldn't get up and blast off the tournament. You know, that's that's where it started taking me. And that was just the very beginning. That wasn't bad, but it got worse. And uh, my uh, business I had here in town, uh, a little muffler shop, and uh, and I would uh, I got to the point where I would uh, run that uh, run my business from the end of the bar at the wagon wheel. They had a they had a payphone there at the end of the bar, you know, and the guys working for me, I'd check with them periodically, and sometimes I'd make it back to the shop, sometimes I wouldn't. And it got worse. It got to the point where I'd go to lunch, and I wouldn't get back for three or four days. And uh, that's when, uh, as I understand it now, that's when the blackout drinking started. And uh, so I've been the full gamut. I'm a real alcoholic, and uh, I, I didn't. I had no idea what uh, alcoholism is, the disease of it. And believe me, it is a disease, and I have it. But I was so sick when I got here. If I don't say this, Pam won't talk to me again. But uh, when I uh, uh, when I started, I started going to. Uh, AA through the Alano Club, and I'll tell you why I did. At, when I was doing my Sundays out at Bob Wiley's for that uh, DUI, the guys told me there's a pla there's a place called the Alano Club. It's next door to Mata's Restaurant over on uh, Santa Fe, and uh, they have three meetings a week. You could go Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I had 12 meetings that I had to attend. The court made sentence me to. <laughs> 
and uh, so uh, I chose to go there because they told me they're only an hour long and the ones at night are an hour and a half and you don't have to listen to so much bullshit you know and uh, the easier softer way us alcoholics would take that's that's what I did and I uh, I walked in that meeting I I didn't want anybody to know I was going to an Alano club, heaven forbid, you know, and everybody knew I was a drunk, but I didn't want them to know, and uh, so I'd walk in the front door of Mata's, park my truck right in front, walk out the back door of the restaurant, and walk in the back door of the Alano club, you know, and I thought I was real hip, slick, and cool, you know, and, uh, but anyway, uh, sitting in there, and, uh, uh, the 12 steps and 12 traditions on the wall and I heard people talk and I thought they said that our, our lives had be, uh, we, we were powerless over alcohol and our wives had become unmanageable. You know? And I, I swear to God to you, I thought, I, you know, because uh, my wife at the time, she had been to Al-Anon for four years and damn, she got real unmanageable. You know? And, uh, but it takes, you know, it takes uh, what it takes. And uh, I had two people sponsor me. They told me that I was a very sick person. Uh, and uh, one of them's dead now. He died sober from a freak accident, Butch Mitchell. So I'll use his last name. And uh, you guys all hear about grass or grass hole around the program that does all the interventions. Well, those two guys told me I was sick enough that I needed two sponsors uh, to get well. And uh, so they would spend time with me uh, at my shop. They'd both be there in the morning. And one of them would go and do the business and the other would stay with me. And they, they did that for quite a while. And I'm very grateful uh, they did because they gave me, uh, they, they got me going on a good foundation. And uh, like most everything I've done in my life, I've always been very competitive. And uh, when you're f uh, five foot five, just a shade under, you know, you've got an inferiority complex about being short. You've got to be better at everything than anyone else, you know. And that's the way I felt all of my life. And, uh, and I've learned, you know, through the fourth step and, uh, the, work and uh, the other steps and all the character defects and things we work on, uh, that was part of my problem, my personality problem. And uh, so uh, anyway, I, I got into this and, uh, and I jumped in feet first. And uh, uh, after a while, when I first started going to meetings, I wouldn't admit that I was an alcoholic. And that's just the type of person I am because I didn't know what an alcoholic was. I was just a drunk. And um, and then when I, I people would call on me to share, and I'd say, uh, my name's Jerry, and I'm here for information only. You know, leave me alone. And uh, I wanted to get that court card signed and uh, get on and you know start drinking again or, or living life. And uh, so uh, when I, one thing I left out of here when I got that uh, uh, cards. Got uh, alternative services is where the courts sent me, and I had three of those little white cards, four numbers on each one of them, 
and uh, the, I didn't mind paying the fine for the DUI. I didn't really mind going to Bob Wiley's and going to the DUI classes. The only thing I didn't like was they sentenced me there and I had to pay for going there. You know, I didn't like that. But I really didn't mind it that much. But when this little lady at the time, she was a Latino lady and she was sitting behind a double desk. And I know why she was sitting behind that double desk because when she told me I was going to have to go to 12 AA meetings, I wanted to reach across that desk and slap the shit out of her, you know. And, uh, but anyway, uh, the Butch and Grass, they got all kinds of literature for me to read on alcoholism as a disease and uh, videos and cassettes and everything like that. And, and I was sitting in a DUI class in Tulare over at the uh, uh, courthouse. And highway patrolman was instructing that class, Mark, and uh, he showed us a little film on the THIQ factor that the doctor talked about at a seminar for other doctors and explained that THIQ factor. And, you know, that brought it all together. That, that's the hereditary part of this disease. It'll never become active unless you drink a lot for long periods of time, even if you were born with a gene. And uh, my dad was an alcoholic, and uh, he died an alcoholic. And I saw that death, and it wasn't very, wasn't very pretty. But uh, he was basically a good man. But when that, he talked about that that night, and it was like someone took a sledgehammer and hit me right between the eyes. And I looked up, and I said, God, you know, I need help. And uh, I, I think that was the beginning. And uh, shortly after that, I, I wouldn't take a check for 60 days, a 30, 60-day check, I wouldn't, 24-hour check, I wouldn't take one because I wasn't an alcoholic. And uh, for my 90-day check, I uh, asked Mark, the highway patrolman that was doing that DUI class, I had started delving into this and I admitted to my innermost self that I have a problem and I asked him if I could, uh, any way I could be excused from this meeting and make it up because I wanted to get that 90-day chip. And uh, he told me not, you just pay your, I think it was $15, just pay your money. And he says, tonight you won't have to come back next week. And that's the first chip I took. And uh, at that meeting, there's some older people here who are long-timers in AA that I'm looking at now. And uh, I was going to this, they were taking me to this crazy meeting out in Farmersville. And uh, it was crazy and wild, and uh, the building was right next to the railroad track, and it was the old Lions Club building, and the building was falling off the foundation, and each time a train went by, it would fall more, you know. But uh, it was uh, there was good meetings, and uh, Don W. was talking that night, and uh, he was chairing the meeting, and when he got through, he was talking about the incomprehensible demoralization that we, that, that we get when we go through this disease. And he says, if you don't want to feel that again, you don't have to one day at a time. And uh, then he called on me and said, Bubba, you're first tonight. And 
You know, I, I had never shared before, and uh, as, as a young uh, person growing up, there was uh, six of us boys and one girl in my family, and uh, the guys, we weren't allowed to cry. You know, men don't cry, but my sister could. And I guess I had a lot of emotions in, inside me because I stood up and I said, uh, my name's Jerry, and I don't know what I am, but I need help. You know, and that was the beginning. And uh, that's when Bush and uh, Grass grabbed hold of me, and uh, we, we did that uh, third step prayer over in my uh, muffler shop, you know, on that uh, floor uh, of the office, the three of us. And uh, good things started happening to me. I, I started, finally started feeling good, you know, because going through this uh, DUI, the night they left me out of jail, one of my biggest sponsors, I had a lot of sponsors that would, without them I couldn't afford to tournament fish and do what I did, and one of my better sponsors saw me about four blocks from my shop, you know, and I had, uh, I'd been beat up pretty good that night because I had talked uh, about the highway patrolman's mothers and things like that, you know, going to jail, and uh, and I looked bad, rough, and uh, and who I go a back way, I walked not Moody Boulevard, I walked on Central Street there, and because uh, uh, my shop was right off the corner of Moody and Walnut, and uh, who picks me up? But my biggest sponsor, you know, and got it, uh, guys. When I got here, I felt about that tall. You know, and I felt worthless and ashamed. And uh, but through this program, I, I've been able to work through those steps, and uh, I know now what, why they're uh, in the order that they are. Because um, if uh, for me, I don't like to tell anybody how to do this program. I'll share with you how I did it, but I'll never tell you how to do it. And uh, people talk and tell me how to do it, I turn them out, you know, I tune them out. But if you tell me how you did it, I'll listen to you until the cows come home. And um, so anyway, I jumped, jumped in this thing, and uh, through those steps, started off real basic. I had, uh, I did have a terrible temper when I got here, and I had a lot of anger in me. <laughs> and um, we, uh, I was, Butch and uh, Grass were there at the shop, and, and I was having a deal with a customer, and uh, I, I got a little out of hand, you know, like belligerent, foul language, and stuff like that. And uh, when the man left, they told me, he said, well, they talked to me and they told me, you, you've got to go home and you've got to pray for that guy, you know, pray for him. And uh, so the next morning they asked me, uh, did you pray for that man? And I said, you bet I did. Well, what did you pray? And I said, I prayed that God would kill the son of a bitch, you know. And... <laughs> And I was, uh, you know, it, uh, that's the way it was. And, and, uh, but through working through these steps, a psychic change started taking place inside me. And, uh, you know, I realized that all the things I had been through and uh, the things I had done 
and had near uh, near death experiences, you know, and some of the th- activities I did. Uh, that God was always with me; He never left me, but uh, I left Him. And uh, and I'll tell you why. I used this, and, and it wasn't an excuse. My uh, my father uh, died, and like I say, from this disease. And I was with him when he died. And six weeks from the day my uh, dad passed away, uh, my mother back then they call it an aneurysm. Now they call it a cerebral hemorrhage. And six weeks, and uh, she went to the hospital. And she lingered for two weeks, and she passed away. And uh, doctor, uh, family doctor down there called me up and told me about 4.30 in the morning. He said, Jerry, I'm sorry to tell you, but your mom just expired. I hung up the phone, and I put, I was going to put my fist through the wall, and I hit a stud, you know, and broke my, broke my wrist. And and I said, you know, if there is a God, he, he has nothing for me. And uh, and I pretty much got away from all the fundamental and the morals and things that I was taught as a young man. And, and I lived that way. I chose to live that way. And I learned that God gives us enough rope to hang ourselves, if you, you know. And, and uh, But uh, the spiritual part of this program... Bush and Grass told me, and, and they told me in very simple words, says, Jerry, it's, uh, this is not, uh, you know, there's a difference between religion and spirituality. said, religion is for people that don't want to go to hell, and spirituality is for people who've been there, you know. And uh, little simple phrases like that, I use them today, you know, when I share a talk, because that's what got through to me. I tried to complicate everything I did in my life. I tried to complicate it, you know. And, and they say, keep it simple. That's, that's what it means around here to me. Keep it simple and uh, listen to the simple things. And then I learned by doing this and working through these steps of this program and having God back in my life, well, or I was back in his life, uh, thing, my whole life started changing. And like any good alcoholic, you know, if a little bit's good, a whole lot's better. And uh, and I was duly addicted when I got here. Uh, I um, I did some of that freeze-dried alcohol, you know, that we put up her nose to enhance the drinking. And that's all I'll say about it because um, I firmly believe that 95%, and I say this because 95% or more, of the people that come in uh, to the programs today are duly addicted, and 95% of the people are introduced to Alcoholics uh, Anonymous through the Alano Club. And that's why I'm still a firm member, always will be, of the Alano Club. I make, I try to make at least two meetings a week there, sometimes three when I'm in town, and share what I've been through, just like I'm talking to you tonight. I'm not trying to impress you. I'm trying to let you know where this disease can take you and uh, where it took me. And, uh, you know, that doctor told me uh, uh, if I drank again, I wouldn't live to see the new year. Well, I've, uh, I've lived long enough to uh, retire. I've been retired for nine years now, the end of February. Um, I went through a divorce when I was six years sober. 
and uh, the uh, that was the most devastating thing that I went through in my life because mainly because of what it did to my children and it took me a while to get uh, their relationships back and for them to uh, trust and love me and uh, I have that today I have that because of this program and uh, I'm good friends with my ex-wife today you know and uh, and I choose to be because I want to be I've lived long enough that I have uh, six granddaughters you know and uh, granddaughters I, I would have missed all this and uh, I uh, I've been through uh, you can go through life if if you try to live God's will you can go through things in life I've, I've been through three heart procedures I have stents in my heart I've been through cancer surgery twice and I'm on this side of it and uh, there's peaks and valleys you know but all through all, all of the bad things that I've lived through since I've been sober I've, I haven't thought of drinking the only time I thought of drinking after the obsession had been removed and that's something that I'm really grateful for because about seven months sober uh, seven months into the program and actually working the program I realized that the obsession to drink had been removed because everything I did in my life I had alcohol or freeze-dried alcohol in my system and I didn't know how to live without it you know and when I realized that I didn't have that obsession anymore we were at a meeting after a meeting in grass and bush they would haul me to Denny's and I told them I don't like Denny's and I don't like anyone that does you know and uh, and I, I told them that I was you know that this had happened and uh, and that I was scared I was afraid because I, I never felt this feeling and uh, the, uh, they told me one thing, and I, I'll always remember. They said, well, that obsession is gone, and it'll stay gone as long as you keep your spiritual part of your program in order. If you don't, it will return. And uh, so I've tried to remember that all these years. And uh, so it's, uh, you know, life is good. I, I get God has been good to me. Uh, I try to give back as much as I can to the program for 18, first 18 years of my sobriety. I sponsored a lot of people. And today I have people ask me to sponsor them. And I tell them why I don't sponsor because I am retired. I want to be able to travel and I can't give them the time that I need to. But I direct them to people in the program that will sponsor them. And I will sit and give them the time that I can. And uh, so uh, I feel uh, really blessed that uh, God has seen fit for me to live as long as I have and have the life that I have. I've, uh, I've been able to re uh, I'm remarried. Uh, I have a, uh, the lady is a very good woman. She's good to me and she's good to me because I'm good to her. And I try not to do to her what I did to my first wife because uh, I was a cheat uh, you know I, I did things that uh, I'm not proud of today but things that all of us do behind the influence you know and under the influence of uh, drugs and alcohol and uh, I don't do those things today and 
So I, I come to meetings, and uh, when I'm asked to share, I share. The people in the community need uh, need help. They, uh, I, financially, I try to help, and uh, and I try to give as much of my time as I can. And uh, Bill Craftsman uh, has been at trying to get me to come here for about two years, and uh, he finally buckled me down. You know, and uh, that's why I'm here tonight because I've. Uh, uh, that's another thing. Early on, uh, Bush and Grass told me when you're asked to do something, you, you never say no because there's a reason you were asked. So, and, and it wasn't that person asking you, that was God working through that person to ask you. So, you don't say no. You're saying no to God. And, um, that's kind of my story, guys. Uh, I'm just, uh, I went through a living hell with this disease. I almost died from it and uh, tried, uh, you know, and did quit for several times. And I was able to quit for long periods of time. But this last time, I couldn't quit. The disease was killing me. But uh, Dr. Gettle told me, he says, if you'll do what I tell you to do, exercise and eat the diet that I'm giving you, he says, your, your liver is one organ in your body that will rejuvenate itself if you haven't went too far. And he says, let's pray that you haven't went too far. And, you know, I did what he said, and I'm still kicking the day, you know. The only thing bad about getting a lot of time and a lot of good life and sobriety is you get old. <laughs> and uh, I was like say almost well I was in September I was 48 years old in December I, I turned 49 and uh, I'm 72 years old now and, and still kicking you know but I don't feel 72 uh, because I, I try to live a good clean life and like I say I insist on enjoying life and having fun and I still get to do uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not only an alcoholic, uh, I'm a fun junkie, I like to say. And, and I still insist on having fun, and I do enjoy life today. And uh, I get to, uh, I still have my bass boat. I don't fish tournaments anymore. When I got sober, I had to deflate my ego. And that's one of the main things we have to do. And uh, I couldn't get up there and win that bass tournament, get the trophy and the money, and stick my chest out. You know, I tried it for the first year and it didn't work. And uh, so I don't fish tournaments anymore. But I do have uh, my bass boat. I fish when I want to. I golf when I want to. And uh, my wife and I, we have street rods. We do the car shows. And I'm a, I've always been a speed freak, you know. I like love speed. And uh, so that's something that you can look forward to is the things that you enjoy in life if, if you uh, work this program and, uh, you know, thoroughly turn your will and your life over the care of God as best you can or as you understand and uh, these things just naturally come and uh, in the big book one of the most attractive things to me in the beginning was it said that, uh, that if we would do these things that we could live in the mainstream of life and uh, have a happy healthy life and uh I couldn't live today, I couldn't go to strictly AA meetings all the time, but I get to live in the mainstream of life, you know. 
I get to do my thing. We get to travel. Uh, I get to meet people all over the world. And uh, I'm just really grateful that I took some good advice from people that had been here before me and that I have this uh, years of sobriety that I have. That's no feat, but it just means that I've lived a real good life longer than some of the ones that are new in the program. But uh, you'll, the new guys, new people, if you stick around, uh, give this thing a chance because it literally, God and AA saved my life, and I'll forever be grateful. Thank you.